Hey, Kyle here. Small disclaimer for this interview. It's a little on the rough side because at the time, I was recording in an incredibly tight space, and as the editor, I'm not exactly skilled enough to fix it yet. I do hope you otherwise enjoy it, and I promise that moving forward, the audio quality improves. Thanks. Enjoy the last interview for the Facades of Gods. Everybody, you have listened to so many interviews, and guess what? It's Kyle's turn now. <sighs> so, I'm Alex, and I'm one of the players here on this podcast that you're listening to. And we have Kyle. Yeah, me. I'm the one running the show, essentially. So, you know, knowing that all the questions you've asked us. I'm going to spin it around a little bit. There's some similar questions, but just more relevant to what you're providing. Because while you're playing, you're also creating. And that's obviously very important and something I would like to address and that our listeners would like to hear. So I just, you know, tell me the origin story for uh, Facades of Gods. Okay, so, well, the... It, it it's it's one of those weird things where it wasn't just like I knew one afternoon exactly what I wanted to make. It was sort of this oh, okay. Podcasting is a field that I can kind of pursue some of my interests in. But I don't want to just be one of those one of the people who's constantly a player. I want to actually make a show. But where do I go from from there? And I was looking at some of the the things that people have done already. And a lot of it, at least when I was starting, was just a lot of Dungeons & Dragons. Which, not necessarily a bad thing, but you get just sort of like the adventure genre from that. And adventure genre is great for storytelling. But, there are other genres to pursue. And so I kind of wanted to go with a slightly darker, kind of more mystery path. That's when I started thinking about world building and um, character building and all those things. And those things I actually love to do. I do that all the time anyway. That's one of the... It, it was sort of like an amalgamation of different things coming together. And we had... You and I had spoken actually pretty much right when I decided that maybe podcasting was a good medium for me as I was developing these ideas over time. Um, and we, we were still, we were still uh, talking. Um, I kind of shared a couple of these things with you, bounced a couple of the ideas off of you and that turned sort of into a pitch. <laughs> <laughs> so here we are now. Are you excited? Oh God. Yes. So uh, I, I guess I, I want to talk about how you got into podcasting, but we're going to wait a little bit on that just because I said so. More what I want to know right now is 
what are your favorite podcasts? Because you don't just decide to make a podcast without at least listening to one or two, right? In theory. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I would assume so. I, I, I don't think anyone would just go, hey, I've heard of this one medium. Maybe I'm just going to make a show out of it. <laughs> um, okay. There might sure. be. I guess you could do that. Yeah, I'm not saying it's impossible, but... Generally, you want to do a little more uh, research into the field before you actually start going. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I guess the, the two, or actually the three that I started off with, and I don't remember the uh, exact order because I kind of started them all up at the same time. Um, I started with God's Call. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I do remember that came before Cthulhu and Friends because there was like a Q&A episode where they they were talking about like their favorite shows and Doug mentioned uh, Cthulhu and Friends and I was like huh that sounds interesting I I like uh, HP Lovecraft uh, mythology so I'll look into that a little bit later and so I started that up at uh, that time uh, the other the, the third one was Heroes and Halfwits which is a Rooster production um, I'm very well familiar with a lot of their work and when I saw that they were doing a podcast that, I mean, they were filming too, so they put it on YouTube as well, but when they were doing something like that, D&D, episodic kind of stuff, I was like, oh man, that's cool, and they're, I think they're really funny, so, you know, it seemed just like a perfect way to pass the time that wasn't just listening to the same songs over and over and over on the radio or, you know, whatever. <laughs> it's whatever. It's fine. <laughs> So what do you listen to now? I mean, those were the ones that you started with. What is the stuff that you kind of listen to on the regular? Well, CAF has kind of been on hiatus for a, a while. So, I mean, they've had like these little teaser things that have popped up. But, I mean, not not a whole lot to keep up with there. Um, I listen to a little show called Soul Story. But you, you don't need to know. plug that. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, that, I mean, seriously, that is on my, my playlists. <laughs> Um, just because I do like it. There's Ethernautica. There is, um, and, and like the, these are all actual plays. Um, for the purpose of kind of tying it in, audio drama wise, I've been binging uh, the Bright Sessions, and I just thought that the whole concept was fascinating. But um, I just hit their fiftieth episode, and the amount of like production work that they all put into it it is just it's it's gotten so good i just i hope that we can we can reach some of the levels of these um of these podcasts uh as as we progress i mean i'm i'm just starting out as as an editor this is going to be my first show editing so i I hope that wasn't one of your questions because i just kind of cut right to that nope (laughs) sure didn't (laughs) yeah tell Um, me about it but oh boy um, I just got the, well, I didn't just get it. I uh, finished one of the other interviews, uh, the one with Bianca. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, uh, syncing it up, kind of like finding the, the levels, that that wasn't all that hard. But there is a lot that we kind of ended up being a little disjointed, so I'm going to have to kind of cut and paste a, a little bit there. And finding the best place to put everything and how to kind of neatly make it all sound that I think that's going to be um, a little tougher um, but I'm, 
uh, as most things, it'll the ease will come with practice. So how do you get to Carnegie Hall? Practice. practice, practice, practice. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> what do you like to do in your downtime? So you you listen to shows, you're creating a show, but like, what does Kyle do for fun? Oh, um. Does Kyle have fun? Does Kyle have fun? That is a very good question. I don't even know. <laughs> uh, Kyle works a lot. Um, so yeah, I mean, my my work week on on the good weeks, it's you know forty hours, but sometimes I'll be working. Uh, 70, 82 hour work weeks, and that's just on one job. Um, like I have that. also been kind of job hunting, so that's taken up a little other time. Mm-hmm. Um, I play a lot of video games. I know I shouldn't as much because I have other important things that I should be doing. Um, <laughs> like creating a show. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's that. Um, uh, like I also am working on the house because we just we just got the house. So, um, I, I also have like stuff that I have to fix up and and do here. But yeah, I, I guess in in terms of fun, quote unquote, uh, air quotes, the the main go to for me is video games. Um, I'll I'll watch I'll binge stuff on Netflix. Um, usually there's an anime that I'm into that I'll binge, but you know if there's something super interesting that I see pop up, then I'm like, all right, that's next on my playlist. So my favorite part with how you started that was fun, quote unquote, implying that video games and Netflix isn't fun. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, uh, I yeah, I, thought, I guess I should have reworded that. I'm just saying like. It's it's like one of those more mundane like, oh I I go like to the museum or or stuff like that, and just to put it in perspective, I would love to. I love actually learning about things, especially history. Mm-hmm. I'm not to say I'm a history buff, um, but like there are lots of things interesting that happened in history, and anyone who went through high school saying history was the most boring class ever. I'm sorry, but you had a very awful history teacher because it's it's just one of those things like there's a lot that happens in history. And one of the most interesting things is why, why things happen, not just names and dates, but like I, I would love to be able to go to the museum every day if I could. That is unfortunately, not, it's not financially out of my uh, out of my reach, but time wise, I can't. I can't dedicate the time to it because I have all these other things that I'm doing. And it's also about almost an hour and a half to two hours to my closest museum. And they don't update their exhibits all that often. So I was going to say, I know yeah. I mentioned the museum in mine, but again, I, d- I just moved to D.C. recently. So I can literally hop on the metro, which is just a few blocks away from my house, and be at the Smithsonian in 20 minutes. Yeah, I, and I'm, like not, I'm in... not like just one Smithsonian. <laughs> like there's a strip of Smithsonian's. In case you have not been to D.C., there's like six or eight different museums all on one strip of neighborhood. So it's like, oh, I feel like spending my entire day at the National or Natural History Museum. So it's I am very lucky that I'm able to have those kind of experiences, and not everyone is able to. Like you said, it's an hour and a half away, and it, it doesn't change very often. So it's I I, I feel like as kindred spirits. 
you and I both really like staying. Like we like staying home. We like the the enjoyment yeah. of video games and Netflix. I, for me, what killed me was just that you like we're implying like it's not fun for you. Like it's it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's fun. It's just like I feel like it's so mundane a thing to to mention. Like, well, yeah, of course, video games and Netflix. Like, yeah, but what else? What 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 else makes you interesting? Like, <laughs> what else makes you interesting? <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not. I, I guess I'm I'm not in that regard that interesting. Like. Well, so, okay, you've been a console gamer, right? And you right. have been talking, or you, you mentioned before, too, that you make character sheets just for kicks and giggles. Mm-hmm. How long have you been gaming? Like, what what time is stretch a period? What got you into gaming? Give me your, your history of Kyle's gaming, please. I'm here for this TED Talk. Okay, so, um, uh, most of my gaming has not been tabletop. Um, I was introduced to Dungeons and Dragons, I think, in like the sixth grade. Um, and I mean, it was something kind of on my peripherals, but not something that I, I got into super heavy until much later. A lot of my gaming was, in fact, video games. My first console was a Super Nintendo. Um, I had a couple games on them, and I wish I could remember which ones they were, um, but my memory is doesn't go back that far all i remember is how that system got ruined because uh, my cat was sleeping on it and a big truck went by our house scared her and she knocked it off and it just shattered into a thousand pieces oh my god yeah um which like i had never seen from a console before or since like it must have just hit like the achilles heel of like that particular system for it to do that um, but then I went with PlayStation, because that's what my parents got me for Christmas, uh, Spyro, that was, like, one of my early happy gaming memories. Um, I was with PlayStation, PlayStation 2, then I went to the 360, um, I got a PlayStation 3 when I was in college, and I still had my... PS2 and my 360, um, and I've kind of been like branching out uh, ever since then. I, it's not to say that I've been confined to one particular um, developer or um, manufacturer. So I'm not like a Microsoft fanboy or a Sony fanboy or mm-hmm. anything like that. It's just if I see a game that I like on a system that I don't have, I'm probably going to get that system because it's stupid to be. Um, all up in arms about, oh, well, this system's better or this system's better. It's not. It's just, it's based on your preference. I like it. I think that's, that's, I hate the, the, the geek wars that come around consoles and PC. And I, I know that it's a fun joke of the PC master race or whatever. Awful, awful joke. But I, I got to the point myself where it's like, let's just let people enjoy themselves. If you, if you enjoy, PC, play on PC. If you enjoy console, great. There's no reason to hate on both Xbox and PlayStation. It's they're playing the same games. I mean, they're not. They're gonna have exclusives, but you know what I mean. Like it's it's a form of entertainment. Stop making it bigger yeah. than it needs to be. Live your exactly. life. And <laughs> like one of the things that I tell people is that um, I I don't know what the current uh, statistic is, mm-hmm. but um, when I was actually working at GameStop, and you know. Fun side history fact from uh, about me. I used to work at GameStop. Hey, me too. Hmm. 
big surprise. There, <laughs> I, guess. I don't know. Um, so they they came out with like certain statistics to help us with our customers, kind of demographically. You know, help help us kind of figure out. Okay, this demographic tends to buy these more certain games, and we're like, duh, we already knew that. We actually talk with our customers mm-hmm. anyway. Uh, the largest demographic, at least I want to say in 2015. Uh, was women between the age of 25 and 40. Mm -hmm. And I still bring that up because I don't think that's changed. It might have, but I don't think it has. But the reason that that people kind of overlook that is that it includes uh, mobile games. I was going to say, it includes mobile games, and that's why it's a thing. Yeah. And, like, there's there's no... It's not any, like, lesser form of a game... It's st- it's still a game. People are still enjoying themselves through it. So, like, for you to naysay and to uh, kind of bring down anyone because of their gaming choice is just it's just mean. There's there's no reason to do it. Yeah, I can get it. Like, I there's a little part of me, and again, it's not me trying to gatekeep by any means. I feel like maybe statistically, it's different. Like. How, I, I want to see the overlap of how many people of those women, and, and people, not just women, men and women that play app games, how many of them actually will go on and buy console games too, or if they're able to buy console games, obviously, there might just be a reason that, because games are expensive. But I'd be curious to see the, the overlap between mobile game players and the, um, I don't, I don't want to call it true gaming, just bigger games, I guess. I'm sure there's a term for mobile it. Mobile and console for PC. Yeah. So I'd be curious about the statistics there, I guess. But I, yeah. I agree. Like I, I feel like it just might be uh, inflating the number for the sake of inflating the number because it looks better. It reads well. You get me? It's a conspiracy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because the world, it's a conspiracy that the world just has more gamers than we really lead on to. Mm. Yeah. And, and I mean, that's something that's actually made me more, like, there, there are a lot of those, uh, those kinds of people, and you'll know who I'm talking about when I elaborate a little this, uh, a little bit about this, who will complain that, oh, games just aren't what they used to, or like gaming isn't what it it used to be. It used to be something that you know we could have fun with, but now just anyone can be a gamer. I'm like, what is wrong, wrong with, with that? that? <laughs> why is that? Why is there anything wrong with that? It's 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 just dumb. It's stupid. And any anyone who came into my store with that mentality openly mm-hmm. and like deriding other people because of because of that, like, dude, just get out. I'm I have no time for you. Welcome to Facades of God, sir. We don't have time for your bullshit. Exactly. <laughs> uh well, okay, so you have a a decent history, we'll say. I again starting in sixth mm-hmm. grade, even even I, I I don't even want to say even, because, you know, role-playing or tabletop or console games, it, uh, gaming is gaming, right? It's right. a different medium. So, over time, have you formed any gaming superstitions? Do you always have to be first player? Do you have to sit in a certain spot? <laughs> um, so, I kind of had a few. None that I adhere to um, too much, I guess. Um, the main one that I have for, say, tabletop, um, especially if it's dice-related, is that I will have certain sets of dice depending on either the game or the theme of the game. Um, so, 
I mean, like most dice-related gamers uh, do, they have a good number of sets of dice. And so, like, if I have, if I'm playing a Call of Cthulhu game, um, then I have a actual uh, Chaosian set of die that I, I will use. Um, if I'm playing D and D, and I'm a, like a player instead of a, a DM, then I have. I'll either go between, like, there's a stone kind of marble-looking set that I have, and then I have a um, kind of glossy purple galaxy uh, set. And I'll kind of go between either of those. I, it, I'm, I'm kind of favored into Warlocks right now, so I usually use my purple for them. If it's something else, I'll use that stone set. Cool. Um, I have some for video games as well um <laughs> when actually i don't do it anymore but when i was um when i was really young uh, a friend of mine uh and i we played uh dragon ball z budokai uh and budokai 2 and when we were at my house he and i would kind of go over like the different fighters and we were looking at like all their different um, abilities and stats and things that you know what have you. And we weren't actually getting super technical about it. We were acting more technical than we actually were. But whenever we were like just starting out the battle, I would be laying down like on my stomach, facing the TV, controller in hand. Mm -hmm. And then when it got more serious, like I was like, "Oh shit, I'm losing. Hold on." I got and like I get, I, I sat up at like cross legs. And when it got real super serious, I would sit up on the edge of the bed yeah. because that would give me like the best like I guess advantage for for finishing this fight. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> uh, and I did that for Dragon Ball and uh, some Tekken. Uh, I haven't done it since, but like that's the only thing that's uh, come to mind really when I think about superstitions, quote unquote, again that I've had over the years. Mm. It's just like a funny thing that like <laughs> it's like when you're doing racing games if you turn your yeah, controller lean. you go yeah. you go faster. <laughs> my my next question then is going to be um you know we always hear the big fish stories. We hear of the great tales of gaming, the best success, the the most the thing that's going to make you look impressive. Um <laughs> tell me your biggest fuck up in gaming. Like what? What was something that's a cringeworthy, and that you wish the dice rolled better, or that you maybe didn't throw a remote through a window? Like, what's your worst gaming moment? <laughs> okay, so this actually is a decent segue off of superstitions because this actually is something I I kind of forgot about until just this moment. <laughs> um, it's it's not necessarily a moment; it's a character. Okay, I have a cursed character. Ooh. And I will use that character as kind of like my bad luck siphon. Um, <laughs> and this character's name is Jesse Midnight. Okay. Uh, Jesse Midnight, uh, again, a warlock, a uh, tiefling. And they were supposed to be this super intimidating, um, you know, could talk your way out of anything just general ominous presence in the party. Um, 
So one of the first interactions that Jesse had, you know, rolled a couple. The first one wasn't a nat one. It was only, but it was only like a three, I think. And even with the bonuses, you know, the NPCs weren't too impressed. But it was like, okay, whatever, fine. The next two were ones. (laughs) And I think for most of Jesse's life, uh, on average, there hasn't, like, on average, I think the, the general role has been somewhere between four and eight. Oh, my God. That sounds yeah. awful. Holy cow. Yeah. And, Ooh. like, directly comparing the number of crit successes to um, uh, crit botches was just, like, almost 20 to 1. Uh, it was just ridiculous. Anything like, and Jesse was also kind of like, uh, I put I put some um, points in intelligence because we were using the um, point by system okay. instead of rolling. Mm-hmm. Uh, I put some points into intelligence, so Jesse was kind of like, I don't want to say the mastermind. The crew that Jesse is a part of uh, is a, um, I think it was an outlaw crew, so. You know, Jesse was in charge of four kind of uh, small crews because, like, th- there was a, a whole like overreaching gang, and mm-hmm. each gang had like sets of crews. And Jesse, in that crew, was responsible for coming up with the plan. Any plan that Jesse ever came up with always went to shit the second it started. We would go through all of like the setup for it just fine. Everything, mm-hmm. like, even even if we had rolled low, everything should have been fine. <laughs> but it just seems like anything Jesse Midnight ever touched was cursed. And so I haven't gotten rid of that character. I haven't gotten rid of, like, the character sheet or anything like that. Yeah. Mainly because, like, if I feel like, oh, shit, I feel like I'm going to have a bad roll tonight, I'll pull up Jesse Midnight, and I'll <laughs> kind of, like, go in... <laughs> Go over, like, a small scenario, just, like, rolling stuff. Try to get those, like, bad rolls out of the way before I start up. I like it. I like it a lot. I don't think everyone is so lucky to have a character that pulls in so much negativity. So, so hey, Kyle. Remember earlier when I said uh, we were going to talk more about podcasts and, like, your what, what got you into podcasting and so on? Remember that? Uh, vaguely, yes. So, yeah, hey, I want to know more about your podcasting stuff. Um, in my opinion, you have quite the resume as far as being involved in podcasts. I am very impressed whenever I like I think about it. I'm like, wow, he's, he's done a lot. But I know you've done a lot, but they don't know you've done a lot. So tell our wonderful audience, what have you been a part of? What, what projects have been graced by your presence? <laughs> well, uh, so the... I mean, I, we started up at pretty much the same time. I know that you've been working on, on yours solely uh, and, and, like, doing a lot of stuff for yours. I've kind of been bouncing around from project to project. Uh, the first one that I started up uh, was a show called Beyond the Abyss. Um, and we actually made it through one season. At least I would, like, I would call it a season until mm-hmm. some things just ended up not quite working out for um, our editor and for our producer slash uh, GM 
And I mean, there's not really much you can do if you don't have a person to <laughs> run the story. So, uh, yeah, it, it, it's at this point, it's I, I would euphemistically say that it's on indefinite hiatus. Um, the other like the next one that I was a part of was um, started up by someone who I was familiar with from Internautica, uh, Silas. I think he said something about, well, pirates, but in space. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, I'm down for that. Sounds yeah, good. Yeah, absolutely. Um, at that point, me still not being like a super heavy nerd of knowing what all is in Dungeons & Dragons, had no idea that Spelljammer was a thing. So uh, I play uh, Kit Moreto, and oh boy, um, that... It's a fun mess, uh, pretty much every every time. <laughs> it is a fun mess. Is it? <laughs> um, I, I've also been in uh, the international podcast mouse um, set up by Tess from and hosted on the I Am Here website. Uh, I did a, a couple things for them. You know, it, it was a kind of being able to meet a lot of the other people in the podcast community, a lot of big names, uh, consequently, you know, where I met um, Bianca. Yeah. Uh, uh, but it's it's also, you know, where I, I met... Um, ah, nice! It? Oh, man, I'm going to have to re-record this because I don't remember all uh, everything. But um, Liz from... Uh, Dungeons Dice, uh, Megan from Tabletop Potluck, uh, Bianca, obviously, and, uh, Jazz from, um, uh, Rankwash Bothel and Heartbeats. And we did a Monster of the Week. And, I mean, that was a hell of a lot of fun. But, like, everything that happened in that month just listening to all the things i wish i could have because there was just so much but everything that i did listen to was just fantastic and being able to be a part of that was also fantastic but now uh i'm doing I, i'm still on pirates but i'm also doing this this thing right here with e and, and, and the rest of the team e i Maybe the reason I find it so impressive is because I can't network to save my life. Um, <laughs> I, I get weird around people who knew. That's why I'm podcasting and not on TV. So I, I just, I think it was awesome with how many projects you took off in the same amount of time that I had started too. And you really put yourself out there and that can be hard for a lot of people. And you found the connections and you found a way to do what you are passionate about that you didn't take the audition from uh from caf to be a bad thing that you just made that an inspiration to chase after what you want and i think that's really cool yeah uh it's it's one of those things that you it's one of those things that you kind of learn from being in a lot of audition processes um I, I guess I wasn't entirely truthful earlier, um, sort of not not a lie, but uh, I omitted a little bit about what I 
used to do for fun. Um, and I just I haven't been able to anymore, which is what led me to podcasting. Was I used to be in theater? I did a lot of theater. Um, I was primarily an actor, and so, I mean, for shows there obviously is lots of auditions, and I mean sometimes you just don't make the cut, and a lot of times you don't make the cut. But being able to understand why and being able to improve on that or just like understanding oh well maybe that wasn't you know what it for for me and maybe i should reevaluate what my target uh uh goal is is just something that you use for for the future you can't really let it get on you too much i mean it hurts i'm not going to say that it doesn't um because it's it's it is a process of putting yourself out there, but in, instead of just sitting on it, use it. You were a theater nerd. Oh, how'd you guess? I want to take your lunch money. Oh, um, well, you might have the rest of the football team to deal with because I was also on the football team, um, and I I was an honorary captain even when I had to choose between theater and uh, football, so. Yeah, if you were one of those people who uh, who wanted to come for me, uh, you know, give me wedgies and all that, which, I mean, I'm not a small guy. Um, that would have been an interesting feat to try to see anyone do. Um, you also would have had to deal with about 14 other people. So I was I was a lineman, and so, I mean, I, I had the build of a lineman, and yeah, so. <laughs> all right, I, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah. I need to back up because I'm not done making fun of you for being a theater kid. Um, oh, yeah, keep going. Keep going, yeah. But maybe not make fun of, but just, you know, what, if you were doing football, because clearly you can't have more than one interest in your life, what attracted you to theater? Like, what was it about theater that you're like, yes, I freaking love this? Hmm. Well, so my parents were both in uh, theater in different facets um, early on in, in my childhood. Um, my mom was a costume designer for uh, Tulane University when I was in grade school. Um, my dad worked for a company that uh, essentially sold and uh, maintained and operated uh, the lighting equipment that a lot of venues used. So I was kind of inundated with it. Um, my, mom, my mom is actually still a union costume designer. Um, so That's if so she... Cool happen to like if there happened to be a movie set like coming to town she could um kind of throw her name over there saying hey do you need a costume designer mm -hmm. and you know they'll, they'll they'll say okay yeah sure so when she was working at Tulane uh, I my school wasn't too far from the campus mm -hmm. so whenever I was done I would sometimes be over there in the their theater department and you know as sometimes theater departments do they have rehearsals for shows that they do uh, on occasion and I remember very vividly the one one of the shows that i was present for during their rehearsal process was julius caesar and they were doing it in a Technically, it was an arena, um, but they removed one seating wall, so it was really more of a thrust at that point. 
Okay. Um, which is just all theater jargon for it, there were three sets of seats for people to view from different angles onto the stage. Oh, okay. Um, and the scene that I was watching, they, they were rehearsing two scenes that night because they had their fight choreographer um, in-house. They were recording, or they were recording, they were rehearsing the, uh, there, there's, there's one fight scene that I remember. Um, I don't remember how many people are actually involved in it, but like seeing all that was pretty cool. But also seeing the murder scene where, you know, Julius Caesar gets stabbed in the back. Uh, like they, they, when they did it, it was just like, I understand how everything is going on. I see kind of like, I get to peek behind the veil of how this works. And I, at that moment, I was both in this sort of suspension of dis- disbelief because of how amazing they were making it look and how, how well the actors were doing their job and also of complete understanding of, okay, that's how you do that. Oh, that's so cool. I didn't realize you could do that to make that effect. And so I spent a lot of other time there, not just watching them rehearse, but kind of also going, not actually touching their props because that's that's a big no-no. You don't, you don't mess with a show's props. Even if you're allowed to look at them, don't touch them. Mm-hmm. Um, their, the costume department was... I don't want to say it was huge, but it, it was sizable. So there was always like cool things for me to look at on the racks, uh, cool different like period pieces. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was like two big dyeing vats that my mom used a lot, so I got oh. to watch her do that sometimes. It was just like a really cool exper- um, place to kind of like spend some free time in that wasn't just sitting at home. So that's really cool. It's a unique experience. I feel like. I, again, with your folks being so a part of theater, I feel like our, our culture and society right now doesn't have such a huge emphasis on theater, so not everyone gets that, and I think that's something unique that really makes you you, and maybe explains a lot about who you are as a person, in the best way possible. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the goals of interviews, right? Right. <laughs> then what did you prefer being, being? did you prefer being a, a techie, or did you prefer being an actor? Like, if you had to pick one or the other. Had to. <laughs> yeah, uh, I definitely preferred um, being on stage. Um, it was it was nice taking in another role, kind of making it my own, and then putting on something for people to enjoy to forget about life for a little while. Um, whether that be you know in comedy or in like a super serious piece, I I loved making that story a little bit my own and showing that to the world um it was it was it was just like it was generally a nice fulfilling experience overall and uh, like a lot of people i think assume that actors do it for the accolades later and i'm not going to say that in like that's not the case for some people because there are um but i think for a lot of actors it's really more i want to make the world 
a better place for a few people, at least for a little while. And if I can do that by telling them a story, that's how I'm going to do it. I think that's very noble. That's a, that's a good way to approach art. At least my humble opinion. So my last question for you before I get into more, uh, I won't say speedier responses, but you know, other, I have other questions, right? But I, I guess uh, feeding into this noble belief of yours, what would you say is the most important life lesson you've gained from being a part of theater? Probably perspective. Um, when you look at a script, there, there are a lot that are very famous here in America, and you know it. It shows something about our history as uh, a country, uh, as to kind of where all these roles typically fit in, and you have your stereotypes that they typically sit in. Um, but I, I mean, I, I tend to prefer taking on some of the. Uh, scripts that aren't quite as famous I guess I mean like you you have your productions of Greece and of Midsummer and things like that and like they're fantastic shows but everyone's seen them everyone's seen all those perspectives from those kinds of people uh, and I think being able to take on that view uh, that different world view is so important because if you disagree with anyone on anything, I'm not saying that you have to, uh, you know, remain amicable to them, especially if, you know, their disagreement is rooted in oppression. But it is um, important that you understand where that oppression comes from, that the history of that. Uh, the history of where essentially they're coming from and because that'll allow you to make smarter decisions uh, more meaningful decisions in the future because uh, if you're if you're all pent up in your provincial thought processes you're never going to grow as a person I hope that was at least a little bit more cohesive out loud than it was in my head. <laughs> <laughs> I think with you particularly ending on that that note right there, being worried about cohesion. No, it was it, it was a good answer. Um, I I know you you told me about that play that you were speaking of, and I hope there's another point where we can talk about it more because I think it was a really impactful moment in your life, and I just you know I don't want to give away all your secrets. Maybe we'll do another interview someday. Well, I want I want to thank you for taking the time for me prying into your your personal life, and uh, I have I have some questions more regarding uh, facades, if you will, and I just it's a time capsule section, and oh. in case you haven't heard from any of the other interviews because you just wanted to hear Kyle's lovely lovely voice, the thing with the time capsule questions is that in a year from now. We'll come back to these and listen to them again as, as a crew and see what our predictions are like. If they were true, if they were false, how ridiculous they could be. I'm very excited to see what happens over the next year. And, but like, you know, let's actually ask the questions, I guess. So 
Time question, or time capsule question number one. What do you think will happen in this game? Uh, I think that's a little. It's kind of hard for me to answer that without giving anything away. Um, I think that the the group is going to be a a slow burn on being able to trust each other enough to accomplish uh, the goals that I set out for them, even if they're not explicitly stated. Um, but once they all are, you know, all, all on the same page, all working together, that there's really nothing that they won't be able to figure out. Uh, that they that they'll be able to. To, uh, to outsmart all of my my devious characters or to help whatever other characters that are truly in need or maybe subvert them if you know they're feeling a little bit evil i'm so excited for us to just be bumbling around for an entire season <laughs> you called us smart now we're screwed jinxed it oh, i did my. say it would be a little bit of a slow burn so. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, then what are you looking forward to what is there part of the process or what are you looking forward to seeing in the game what's something you're excited about uh i'm excited for you all to meet some of the characters that i've made um i've been sitting on them for a while and i just kind of i really want to know what you all think of them so whenever you know you'll you meet a new character i'll get to see those reactions and that's really what i'm most at least right this second excited for awesome last question what do you think you will achieve as the dm or gm i guess in this case i want you all to have fun i want there to be maybe you know a tearjerk moment or two and i would like to be able to get the audience to really feel like they are going along with our group trying to figure out what the hell is going on. Hey, hey, you spoiled it, but we're going to do a lightning round. Oh, oh, yeah, we are. Lightning. So, all right, I got 10 questions for you. Answer as quick as you can, mm -hmm. and then answer quicker. So, are, 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 are you ready? No, but go ahead. Oh, oh, okay, that sounds good. I like the honesty. So, beer, beer or wine? Wine. Favorite fairy tale? Um, Alibaba. Um, it's okay. probably going to be what I'm going to go with. I know they're, they're like a bunch kind of tied in, but like his is also kind of like a, 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 an ongoing one. So, just the, the whole over, overarching one that is related to him. Nice. So, the producers with Gene Wilder and Zero Mostel, or the producers with Matthew Broderick and Nathan Lane? Uh, it's been so long since I've seen the one with Gene Wilder, so I'm going to have to go with Nathan Lane and Matthew Broderick. Nice. Favorite gaming food? Um, I, I usually don't uh, eat a whole lot while I'm gaming. It's just like kind of messy, I think. Mm. Uh, I think if 
I was doing it specifically, like, getting a stack ready for, like, games. Probably Goldfish. Okay. Favorite Pokemon game? Yellow. Chocolate or vanilla cake? Chocolate. Favorite movie genre? I like uh, political thrillers a lot. I know uh, that's weird. Nah, I get you. Uh, musicals or tragedies? Uh, that's an interest. That's okay. Um, <laughs> tragedies, I guess. Favorite color of dice? Ooh, I really like my purple ones. Those are like galaxy kind of slightly sparkly, purpley. Very like. I don't know if this will resonate with anyone else, but Saints Row Purple as well. So, okay. Yeah. What of also one of my like favorite just over the top ridiculousness games. Last question. Favorite Archer quote. Hmm. Ooh. Mm-hmm. What is this full of buckles? <laughs> oh, oh, that's a good note to end on. Wonderful. Well, Kyle, thanks for letting me ask you a bunch of personal questions prying into your life. I was super into it. Well, okay. I don't know how you want me to end this, but thanks. Thanks for being here. Thank you for joining us for our last interview for the Facades of Gods. Keep your eyes peeled for those incoming episodes. Catch you then. This has been a no-show radio production.